think the entire squad, it was like one car pulled up, another car pulled up. And the next thing I knew, there was, I think, eight police cars in front of my house. And they surrounded my house like, you know, it was a true crime scene. One of my favorite movies is the original Poltergeist from 1982. I think the reason why that movie is my favorite is because it's very relatable, because I'm always thinking that no matter how good things are, they're just waiting to go wrong. And in that film, this beautiful, nice neighborhood where everyone seems to be living a great life has something right underneath it these people never thought to even consider And it only takes a few minutes of screen time before those things make their dreams a nightmare. Today in this episode of That Doesn't Happen Every Day, in which we interview everyday people about things that don't normally happen every day, we interview someone who's excited to live her best life in an old house she had just bought in Cheyenne, Wyoming, only to find out there was something buried underneath her property that she never thought to even consider. Libby Bushell takes us to the house she lived in in 2020. It was April of 2020. I had recently bought my home a few months prior, and the house was built in 1922. It needed a new sewer. So I hired an excavation crew to come in and replace the old um, ceramic sewer pipes with the newer plastic. I came home from walking the dogs and the guy driving the excavator came around to the front of my house with a very worried look on his face and he said, uh, we found something buried in your backyard. And I jokingly said, is it a dead body? And then I said, is it buried treasure? And he looked at me like... Uh, he was even more concerned now. (laughs) There was a giant pile of dirt from his excavation, and on top of that giant pile of dirt was what was immediately, obviously, a human skull. It wasn't a glistening white or anything new. It was very old, yellowish, brownish. I think only one of the eye sockets was there. It was only about half of the skull. It was sort of the top half broken in pieces. I called the police, as you do when you find a dead body. Like, seconds later, I heard the sirens. (laughs) And the Cheyenne police force sent out, I think, the entire squad. It was like one car pulled up, another car pulled up. And the next thing I knew, there was, I think, eight police cars in front of my house with their lights on, attracting a lot of attention. And they went and, you know, looked, inspected the skull. There was a guy there who was, they called him the bone specialist. But I think that was sort of like a joke term for who he was. He was just like a regular police officer. But he acted with a lot of authority around the skull and picked it up and, and you know, started immediately hypothesizing all kinds of things. Its age, how it died, you know, this and that. Um And pretty quickly, all the police officers, you know, stopped any sort of suspicious behavior around me because it was very clear that this was a very old bone. So that first day, they wrapped my whole property in police tape, and then they had one patrol car um, who camped out in my yard that first night. 
and he just sat in his car. I could see him out my window. He was just sitting there watching Netflix and guarding the crime scene. The next day is when the coroner got there, and she brought a mobile morgue and, like, a mobile laboratory thing, and then they kept the caution tape up. So it was just a very much an obvious crime scene for several days. I'll remind you that it was April 2020, so all my neighbors were working from home, as was I. All of a sudden, people became very interested in me and what was going on. It, it was the first time I had met many of my neighbors, and they shared a lot of stories with me. One guy came over and told me that they had found a couple of dead bodies, like, in the 80s, like, um, in his neighbor's yard. So why are there human remains in Libby's neighborhood? By the way, her neighborhood isn't out in the country or in the county. This house is within walking distance of a couple of gas stations and places to eat in Cheyenne. This part of Cheyenne was called the Old City Cemetery. It was the the initial cemetery that was established for the city of Cheyenne in 1867. That's the voice of Dr. Spencer Pelton. He's the state archaeologist and was called to the site by the coroner after they determined that the remains weren't recent, or in Spencer's world, older than 75 years old. So for the first seven years of Cheyenne's existence between 1867 and 1875, uh, this cemetery was used to bury a lot of Cheyenne's dead. So we have documentation of at least 150 people being buried there, but it was it was likely many more than that. When this property was bought back in the 1880s by kind of one of Cheyenne's early prominent residents, uh, he knew there was a cemetery here and he actually paid the military uh, $8 a grave to move the bodies from this this old city cemetery to the new one, the Lakeview Cemetery in Cheyenne. And so they actually did make some concerted effort to, to move the bodies from the cemetery back in the day. But starting all the way back in 1911, people started finding bodies there. And then throughout the early part of the 20th century, people would turn up bones, found evidence that at least 18 bodies have been discovered in this, this neighborhood in Cheyenne. So there's probably still a good number of people that remain beneath this this neighborhood. I asked Spencer what happened when he arrived on the scene. I jumped down the hole they were digging and uh, I took a, a masonry trowel, which is kind of our uh, tool of choice for archaeologists, and just started scraping the walls of the trench that they were digging. So it didn't take long. Uh, down towards the bottom of the trench, kind of on the, the east side of the trench, I found some pieces of old wood and then eventually some, some bones. And it looked like there was a... Uh, some sort of a, a burial sticking out of the, the wall of this trench that was still intact. And they had basically just clipped part of this this burial and dispersed the, the remains of the upper half of this individual throughout the, the fill of the trench. This was a, a child, um, certainly less than nine years old, um, most likely around six years old, uh, almost certainly a boy based on the sorts of clothing that was associated with the burial. And uh, certainly a boy that was not born in Cheyenne, which is pretty typical for the era. Um, this is based on some, some stable isotopes in, from, from the remains. So this boy is probably um, uh, born somewhere in the Midwest, probably Iowa or Minnesota, uh, maybe Nebraska, and then wound up in Cheyenne. Pretty poor person. I uh, was buried with very little. Really, we found very few artifacts in, in the burial itself, but we found two buttons and they were right on the kneecaps. Uh, and so that really fits with it being uh, knickerbockers, basically. 
Just in case you're not an expert in old-timey clothes, knickerbockers were a kind of shorts that people used to wear. They sort of remind me of the Dickies shorts that we wore back in the 90s, except for these tapered down at your knees, thus the buttons that Spencer found. Uh, they also, there were some nails around the feet that were uh, attached to a hob, hobnail shoes, probably. And, and that was it. Um, those were the only items associated with the body itself. Burial itself was not really in a formal coffin. Uh, the body was laying directly on uh, clay, clay bedrock. And it just had this really informal um, lid, like basically set on top of this little recess in, in clay bedrock. And that was it. There was no real formal box or anything like that associated with it. In the 19th century, they used these things called coffin screws. They're these kind of um, decorative white metal pieces. Uh, in, in formal coffins, you would screw the lid of a coffin on with them. But I found it interesting, this, this burial itself, even though it wasn't, it wasn't a formal coffin and it was just kind of a wooden lid, they did put a couple of these coffin screws in that lid, perhaps just to make it a little fancier, a little more formal of a, of a thing. So, and, that, and that's really it. That was about the only items other than bones found in the in the coffin or in the burial. How does a boy under 10 end up so far from home and alone in what was then called the Magic City of the Plains? So dur- during this time of Cheyenne's history, uh, the Union Pacific Railroad was coming through. This was really the origins of the city of Cheyenne. And accordingly, a ton of people from back east were flooding into the west into towns like Cheyenne and eventually Laramie and Rock Springs. So this boy is probably um, uh, born somewhere in the Midwest, probably Iowa or Minnesota, uh, maybe Nebraska, and then wound up in Cheyenne. And uh, sometime after that, probably sometime shortly after arriving, uh, died. I really want to know how this little boy died. Spencer does have a theory that you'll hear in a second. But first, I wanted to share something Libby told me. Those bones were buried about two feet from the foundation of my house, which is actually at the level of the basement bedroom where I slept. I had one very, very scary dream that I was watching this young boy holding a bucket of apples and he was standing by a fence and his dad had a shotgun and he and his dad walked off to go feed the horses and then I woke up and it was for some reason the scariest dream I've ever felt and I don't know what it means. I don't want to presume it has anything to do with the bones in my yard, um, but I, I did have a very uncanny sense that it was connected to this person. This is Spencer's theory of what might have happened to this boy. Uh, early stats from Cheyenne suggest that childhood mortality before the, the advent of modern water improvements was somewhere around 40% uh, under uh, age of 10. Uh, a super high mortality rate for the early history of Cheyenne, primarily because of unsanitary drinking water. So things like cholera, typhoid, uh, diseases like that took out a lot of Cheyenne's youth in their earliest couple decades of, of his existence. Living on property where a little boy had been buried, then forgotten, forced me to ask Libby if she'd had any other weird experiences. 
and she tells me something that seems to come right out of the basement of the Amityville Horror. I contacted my friend who is um, a mystic over the phone. She had never been to my house, and she didn't know the details of the excavation. But over the phone, she said to me, well, in addition to these bodies, plural, that are buried or were buried in your yard, there's also a deep vortex, and it's a negative energy vortex, and it's deep underground. Normally, I would think that's a little bit of strangeness, but actually, what was very strange about that is that when they found the body, they also found this subterranean cistern-like brick-walled cylinder that was completely walled by brick. So the top of it was about four feet underground, and the bottom of it was probably 20 to 25 feet underground, and it was about maybe 15 feet in diameter, and it had some charred wood at the bottom. Um, I peered down there. I didn't go in. It was too deep to jump in. I was afraid I would never get back out. Um, The roof or the top of it was just earth. It was like some wood pieces and then just the earth um, of my backyard. And the only reason we had found it is that the excavator had banged through some of the brick and had exposed a hole in the wall of it. And it was very, very strange. But we ended up just burying it back when we um, put the earth back because um, it seemed like it was not my business. Spencer confirms that he too saw what Libby saw and believes it was a cistern built before the city supplied water. One thing that sticks in my own mind, regardless of how the little boy might have died or what might have happened on the property, is this. However they dug the original sewer, they dug right through the body and then reburied it as a jumble of bones. Spencer confirmed that the top half, or the upper body, of the boy in that grave had been disturbed in 1922 when the original sewer line went through. I asked Spencer if he thought the person who dug the trench just didn't notice the boy and his remains were pushed back into the grave with the rest of the fill to be found later in 2020, or if possibly they literally ignored the remains, finished putting in the line, and then pushed the bones back into the hole. He says he doesn't have any way to tell for sure. I know you could say what difference does it make if the boy's remains were placed back where they were found, or a mile or two away in the proper cemetery. This little kid was kept without a marker to remember him by, with a pipe going through the upper half of his grave carrying human waste for nearly a hundred years. Yes, I think this is important, and I hope that the people in the 20s who reburied him there simply just didn't see the remains. There's a part of me that wants this boy to be remembered, or at least connected to someone in the present. So I asked Spencer if they've done DNA work on the remains. Uh, no, we couldn't. You know, there is the potential to do things like DNA on these. Uh, we don't typically do that, though, unless it's, you know, uh, connected to a crime or something like that. So there's really there's really no telling who this boy was related to. So I returned those remains to the corner. My house that I sold in 2015 is only two blocks away from Libby's house. We never saw any human remains or had weird experiences there, but we did start our family there. And unlike the little boy who remained forgotten in Libby's yard, my son and his sisters are with us every day. 
I wish I could tell you that this little boy is now interred in a public cemetery where if you want to pay homage or learn more, you could go visit his grave. But the Laramie County Coroner's Office has said so far that the case of this boy's remains is still open and that they cannot confirm or deny anything about the boy's remains. If that changes, I'll post an update in the description. For now, I'll let Libby lead us out. This spirit who had been forgotten and ignored and then buried and then like a sewer plunged through his remains was then exhumed, acknowledged, studied, appreciated, spoken to. I feel good about that. I would like to thank everybody for listening to today's show. Understandably, Libby asked me not to tell anyone where she lived when this happened. If you do somehow find out where this happened, we ask you to please not go there and bother anyone or disturb anyone. It's all private property, and it's a neighborhood where people are just trying to live their lives. I want to make sure to thank Libby Bushell and Dr. Spencer Pelton for being on the show today. If I do find out more about what happened to this boy's remains, I will be sure to post it in the description for the show, so please check in. Please tune in in the next week or two for our next episode, and please share this show with a friend. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks.